You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. It's a girl! I'm Susie Hunt. And we are wrapping up our Nightmare on Elm Street month with episode 180, The Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. It's from 1989, an hour and 20, 29 minutes, directed by Stephen Hopkins, uh, who we mostly know from Predator 2. Like, that's the place I know him from. But he also did uh, Judgment Night, the horrible 90s Lost in Space. Oh. Um, yeah. Dangerous Game, and three different Tales from the Crypt episodes, all of which are pretty good. Uh, Abracadaver, Beauty Rest, and Stared in Horror. So, pretty good horror director. But uh, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks of this. Maurice, uh, you gave me a little bit of a hint before we recorded, so we're going to start with you today. I am glad, because if you were going to start with me, I was going to say... I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Maurice first. <laughs> well, as I said last week, uh, part, <clears throat> part four was the start of decline, and this continues to decline. This movie is really not that good mm-hmm. after watching it critically. Um, there's some interesting parts, but I know some people have said that they liked this better than part four. <clears throat> cough cough. <laughs> I feel attacked. Just I know, at right? me next time. Um, but the uh, movie's <laughs> not good. I mean, Robert England was fine, you mm-hmm. know, given what he was given. But <laughs> Work with what you got. Yeah. Uh, the music was terrible, especially that crappy rap song. Oh, come on. Cool Bodie's awesome. That was a diss track towards LL Cool J. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Nightmare on the Street. <laughs> but it was popular at the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, the music was so much better in Part 4. Yeah, I will give you yeah. that. I really did like the music in Part 4. And this, not so much. I mean, the rap is it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's even funnier when you find out that it's a diss track. But this was also the start of the era where we ended every movie with a rap song. Yeah. Now, granted, we did have a lot of rap songs that were about the movie, like Monster Squad and Ninja Turtles. But wait, oh. there was a Freddy rap, wasn't there? It's t- uh, uh, what is it? Time for Freddy or Ready for Freddy by the Fat Boys? Yeah, that was in part four. At the vi- that was at the very end of part four. Like the I want to say, yeah, the credits. Yeah. So okay, we had the Fat Boys. See how quickly I forgot part four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still like his quips and you know a lot of things he says throughout this, but the rest of the cast. Ugh. <laughs> I'm. I'm. This is intriguing to me because it's such a. I have such a different view on from this, or from you on this. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> well, Susie, what are your thoughts? I like it better than Part Four. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but it's still really not a good movie. Like I. I don't want to give all the best parts away in the intro because mm-hmm. I want to be able to talk about them as we go through. But well, why the first ten fifteen minutes is the shower scene and, and, and the, the nut ward? <laughs> Literally, the <laughs> so nut. 
There's not really much to talk about I was in the first say, 10, 15 minutes. Referring to it as the nut ward in context of the movie. Yeah, that's why I was like... Um, I've, I've already, we're not even five minutes in. Maybe we are. And I already have my hands on my hips. Um, I think, I think in even the war, even in the really bad one installments, mm-hmm. Robert Englund carries the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I haven't seen this one in so long that at the very beginning I was like, oh, I fucking hate when they replaced the actress. And I was like, oh, but they didn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the beginning, like, again, I haven't seen it in so long. I'm like. Where, what, like, what part of the body is that? <laughs> it was two writhing extras. And I thought for a second that it was two men in bed at the I very can, end of the credits. I can see that. <laughs> and then I looked and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. That's a man and a woman. Because, like, there's all, like, these... We're just focusing on the curves of the hip, right? The back so, like, where, where are the where's where's the titties and the ass? It's supposed to be Dan and Els, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's actually uh, the guy is the guy who played Super Freddy, and the girl is just a random extra. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it's I in my opinion, IMO. It's better than Part Four, but it's still not very good. See, now I'm gonna kind of disagree with both of you on this. Like, I, I I do agree that four and five are the weakest entries in the franchise. Dumb. <laughs> um, but I do actually like this one, not because the story makes sense, because that's the one thing I dislike about this. The story is absolute bonkers, and it makes no fucking sense. Uh, uh, well, Except when, for when, one when, thing. When... Except for one thing. What's that? There are studies that that. Babies, oh, fetus, feti that, sleep in utero. The idea of him using the baby's dreams, I think, is brilliant. Yes, yeah. but the way poorly. it's yeah, the way it's done, I think, and like his whole his mission and how he's taken down and the ties to Amanda that kind of contradict the stuff we saw in part three. There's a lot of stuff that I'm like, I. Like, the story is all over the fucking place. Yeah. Especially when you try to put it in the actual timeline of the films. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make much sense. However, I will say, I actually really like the cast in this movie. Oh. I love them. I like I, Yolanda. Is that her name? Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah. I actually, I like all of them because it's, for the first time in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, I feel like this is a believable group of friends. Like, the way they interact with one another, the way they talk with one another, like, the fact that they're like, I gotta go to work. Like, they actually go and go to work. Like, the Craven? The, yeah, at the Craven and at the hospital. Um, I don't know, there's something about it that, that struck me as more realistic with that friend group. And I also really like Alice's dad. Like, there's... He, the, rede- the redemption of Yeah. I, yes. But again, the, the actor, he, like... He doesn't have a lot to do, but he fucking gives it his all. And I think he does amazing. Yeah, especially... The grocery scene? The grocery scene, and then the scene when Dan's, oh, Dan's parents, parents... Oh, yeah. I re- like. Ooh. I was like, ooh! <laughs> but see, that's what I really like about it, is this is the first Nightmare on Elm Street where there are very distinct moments of reality. Where it's like... And this is unlike the rest of the franchise, where it's like, we know, okay, everybody is awake. Everybody is going about their lives. You believe these people are doing what they're you know, supposed to be doing on screen. Whereas every previous entry, it's like, are they awake? Are they asleep? What's going on? There's that whole mystery, which is, I think, why people didn't like this, because it breaks the mold. 
No, it's but, not why I didn't like it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, on the whole, because people were like, well, it didn't feel like a, a, the other Nightmare movies. And I get that. But that's kind of what I like about it. Um, all of that being said, it's still one of the weakest entries in the entire franchise. <laughs> I hate the Freddy makeup. I think his makeup looks atrocious in this one. Yeah. Um, especially when you compare it to how great it looked in 2 and 3. Yeah. Like, 2, I think, is some of the best makeup of the entire franchise. Um, he's got, like, the high cheekbones and, like, the pointed mm-hmm. hooked nose. I was like, it just looks cool. Um, but 5, it looks plasticky. Like, it doesn't look right. Do you isn't think it, it's because of the rebirth scene? I think Isn't it because he um, didn't want to go through all the makeup? I, I think so. I think it's more because it's, a, like, a, like, mostly a latex mask this mm-hmm. time. Like, there's big chunks of latex. Yeah. Um, they were talking about it. I, now, I'm, I'm probably going to misremember this because it's been about a week since I watched the documentary. But I want to say that they they were trying something new with the makeup and all of the artists were saying it was too rushed. They didn't like it. But it is what it is. It's on the film. Wait, did you watch Never Sleep Again just a week ago? Yeah. Damn. Well, no, I mean, I've seen it many, 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 many I, times. I have too, but it's probably been like a good year. Oh, yeah. I, I, I rewatched. I started rewatching it uh, when we started this month because I, I watched Scream Queen... And then I watched uh, Never Sleep Again just to get more info on part mm. two. Um, and then I watched for part three. And then last week I was like, you know, let me just start this over and watch the whole thing. And I watched the whole thing while I was drawing. So um, That is a really good documentary. Oh, it's a fucking great documentary. But now the one thing I will say that I truly love about this movie, and I agree more so than some of the other entries, I love the look. I love the nightmare sets. I love the design aspects. Like, the weird gothic structures that make no fucking sense for the story, but they look so cool. Um, I love the set for Mark's death. I think that's <laughs> awesome looking. The fact that they painted everything black and white and then had him in color. Like, it just, instead, of, you'd think they would just drain the color out of the film, but it's actually the entire set is painted in black and white. Robert England is done up in black and white Freddy makeup, and it just, it, it's very cool. I really like that sequence. You also like the aha video, don't you? I love the aha video moment, <laughs> and that's actually in my notes. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I love, I love the look of a lot of, I love the M.C. Escher weird-ass, mm. you know, nightmare sequence at the end. The splitting between Alice and Freddy, like, where they're, like, pulling each other apart. There's just a lot of cool visuals, but that was to hide the fact that they had no fucking cohesive story. So, and they even admit that in the documentary where they're like, we were storyboarding things to make it visually interesting because we knew the story didn't make sense here. So they, they, I mean, it worked because it's watchable, but. Watching these critically, mm-hmm. and it was not too long ago that I watched one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. One, two, and three have me glued to the, like, it doesn't feel like they're as long as they are. Yeah. Four and five, even though I do enjoy five better than four, I was like, oh my God, this is the longest hour and a half (laughs) of my life. See, and and I I, I will agree with you there. Like, four and five are a slog. And and normally, if I'm just watching for my own entertainment, one, two, and three... Part six and a new nightmare are the ones I always go to. Mm-hmm. Um, two and three the most, but um, I really do like part six because it's so fucking comical. It, it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's it's ridiculous. That's when they I, I if I'm remembering correctly, 
that's when they really were like, Freddy's a jokester. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's that sequence where he pushes the bed of spikes underneath the guy parachuting. And it, it literally looks like something right out of Looney Tunes. It's framed, it frame, it's framed in a way... And the way Robert England plays it, he's pushing it with his back the way like Bugs Bunny would be like mm-hmm. heaving something onto screen. Or Wiley Coyote. Right. To catch the Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, there's, I mean, Freddie dressed up like a bus driver and like, you know, there's all sorts of just silly set pieces in part mm-hmm. six. Um, you know, the power glove sequence, like there's so many jokes in part six. Yeah. But, and then it just, it, to me, it's, it's a comedy. You know, so I really do like it. But as far as, like, straight-up Freddy movies, 1, 2, and 3 are always going to be my top favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so let's dig into this now that we've kind of... <laughs> let's gnash our teeth. Yeah. One thing I do want to say about, like, the ridiculous gothic backdrops, mm-hmm. I have a friend who... And I, I appreciate that stuff in context. Yeah. But she'll, like, post as, like... So and so has changed her. What is it called? Your not your profile picture. Your oh, the banner thing or whatever. Yeah, it is. what is the, the background yeah. or whatever your whatever it is, and it's always something that looks like that. So watching this critically, I'm like, oh my god, that looks like her, like her <laughs> Facebook photo right now, because she just always posts like cool art things that she finds online. And mm-hmm. see, now I I will say this: as much as I love the matte painting of the asylum. It don't make any fucking sense to the rest of the franchise, <laughs> which we'll get oh, to. Tree Warrior, exactly. I'm like, what? It doesn't make any damn sense. <gasps> that's our new. That's our new shtick. What's that? When something doesn't make sense, that's the Dream Warrior. Exactly. <laughs> You've heard it here first. <laughs> but so let's jump into the cast here uh, right away. There's three actors that were in previous films, so I got. I didn't put any of their credits, but Freddy Krueger once again played by Robert Englund. Alice, once again, played by Lisa Wilcox, and Dan, played by Danny Hassel. Oh, Dad. Dennis Johnson. Is I, didn't, I didn't put him in the, in the credits, oh. yeah, just because I was the main players. Such a cool story, redemption arc, though. <laughs> it is. Uh, but Yvonne, we have uh, Kelly Jo Mintner, who I really like. I, I've always liked her. I lo- loved her in summer school. I liked her in The People Under the Stairs, House Party. Uh, she was in Lost Boys. Uh, unfortunately, her scene was cut. Uh, the Principal, A Different World, Popcorn, a bunch of TV shows in the 80s and 90s as well. She was in Popcorn? Yeah. She's one of the characters in Popcorn. I have to watch. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. It's not a great one. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not right, much then of a I'm fan. Not, maybe I won't waste my time. It's, it, okay, if you're going to watch it, watch. go on Shudder and watch the Joe Bob Briggs episode. Okay. Because at least there's funny commentary. Okay. So... Um, but then we have Greta, played by Erica Anderson, who was in Twin Peaks, Dream On, Red Shoe Diaries, and Silk Stockings. So she was Ooh, in a lot of the... Uh, Skinamax! <laughs> yeah, she was in some sultry stuff. <laughs> and we have... Uh, <laughs> kind of the, the slow, sexy sax. The sexy saxophone guy. <laughs> we have uh, Mark, played by Joe Seeley. He was in Armed and Dangerous, St. Elsewhere, and Shag. Uh, then Amanda Kruger, played by Beatrice Boppel. I'm sure I said that wrong. Uh, 21 Jump Street, Shoot to Kill, and Matinee. And finally, Jacob, played by Whit Hertford. He was in The Twilight Zone, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, The Monsters Today, The Addams Family, Jurassic Park, Batman the Animated Series, Two Stupid Dogs, and Chowder. I have two really quick things about him. Mm-hmm. One, 
I totally forgot about the Munsters today until I looked him up on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And the reason I IMDb'd him while I was watching it is because I, I'm glad put your put your Pepsi down. <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, is that Isaac from Children of the Corn? <laughs> Malachi! And I was like, why isn't... I'm going through his credits. I'm like, why isn't Children of the Corn in here? And Shane's like, maybe it's not the same actor. I'm like, no, it is. I was it's, wrong. It's really, it's that 30-year-old man that was that was 30 in the 70s when that movie came out. So he's 50 now. I was like, and Children of the Corn came out in 1984. He's like, and wasn't, wasn't the kid that's playing Jacob born the year before you? And I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, shut up. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Children of the Corn, there will be a Raised by Rentals episode coming. Of the original? or I haven't seen the remake yet. Oh, we'll be talking about the original. Okay, um, I'm going to have to refresh myself. We have some ideas. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so for anyone who hasn't seen this, this is obviously the continuation to part four. So oh, don't the, worry, you'll get a recap later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Multiple times. Um, but the plot is the now pregnant Alice finds Freddy Krueger using the sleeping mind of her unborn child to claim new victims and hoping to be reborn into the real world. So we open with sexy times, as we see Alice and Dan having some hibbity-dibbity and soft blue light. But we don't know it's Alice and Dan. <laughs> right away, at least. And it's, it's that very, you know, made-for-TV sex scene. You know, it's it's Like awful. in soap operas. Yeah. Like, what, are you grinding your belly buttons well, together? Like you see some sweaty belly buttons and shoulders. You know, that's about it. <laughs> so... Afterward, Alice goes to take a hot shower to wash Dan's stank off her. I got shit to say right now. <laughs> Go for it. So she's in the shower, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, scrubbing herself down, getting his cum out of her. <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, poop water starts coming out the yes! drain. And what does she do? It sticks her hand in it. You don't stick your hand in the poop water. Oh my god, it was so nasty because it did. It, it even went like, like it sounded like someone like, with diarrhea. Like that's how you get pink eye. <laughs> and then it just fucking fills up. And then it took me back to part four, the mm. waterbed. Yep, she mm. got trapped in the. She's trapped in the shower. <laughs> I just finished watching that three part that series. Oh god, it was. It's right. hard. It's really hard to watch. You oh, you both know that I can binge watch mm-hmm. true crime or anything like that. This took me over a month to watch because it was so hard. Oof. It's. I'll I'll be skipping that. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> but yeah, so she gets she gets trapped in the shower and it fills up with poo water. <laughs> so she, now she's got scurvy. She's drowning in poo water, and eventually the the shower door opens. She falls out of the oh, water. No, she headbutts it. Yeah, that's true. But she falls out, like, perfectly dry. Yeah. Like, her hair is perfectly dry. She that's, was just submerged. That's how hot the water was. Ah, dried her off on the way out. Oh. <laughs> but, so she fall, falls out into uh, a dimly lit corridor and slowly makes her way down it until we see the insane asylum from part three. Uh, we see the crowd of inmates walking around aimlessly while orderlies try to count them to make sure they're all there. Including Robert England, who wasn't even born yet. Exactly. Uh, well, he's his own grandpa. <laughs> but she, uh, she slowly makes her way forward. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself now. Yeah, Alice finds herself dressed as a nun with the name tag of Amanda Kruger 
and she's trapped amongst the the loonies. The nuts. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna get some. But uh, the orderlies decide, good enough, and leave, locking her in with the inmates. Go for it. I I raised my hand in case anyone at home couldn't see that. So all of the all of the inmates, mm-hmm. we'll just call them that, inmates are all dressed the same. You mean to tell me you yeah, couldn't pick sack. out? Yeah, you couldn't pick out the woman in the white dress <laughs> in that sea of, of potatoes. Well, right. These guys were having a hard time counting. Well, it's because the one asshole kept interrupting the one who was trying to do his job. Yeah, the according guy was, to he was like seventy-two. Seven, the other guy was fifty-five, uh, and the other guy was going eleven, seventeen. <laughs> fuck you. And he was like, "Man, come on." There's a so they take off, and as soon as the door closes, all the inmates turn toward Amanda. And so uh, they surround her, including Robert England, like I said, he's his own grandpa. And uh, Alice is woken up by Dan as she's screaming in her sleep. She calms down and looks to Dan, who is now the inmate version of Robert England, who attacks her. She fights him off and wakes up for real reals this time. And realizes that she's alone in bed and it's a bright sunny day. No. It's Inception. <laughs> This takes about 12 minutes of the beginning of the movie. So we get, we open with uh, sexy times, which leads to a dream within a dream. Yeah. Uh. Blue showers and then rape. <laughs> exactly. Blue showers and then rape. That's then, horrible. Then another shower. <laughs> exactly. Well, you need a shower after that. She turns the water on before they cut. And so we cut to Alice, Dan, and their friends graduating high school. <laughs> Just a prom night dumpster baby. <laughs> well, he could have been. But uh, here we meet Yvonne, the headstrong, confident swimmer. Greta, the hot girl with the heart of gold whose mother is pushing her to model. And Mark, the lovable artist and comic fanboy. And so, the I actually do like all these characters. but I do, but I don't know if I find it so believable that... No, no, because Greta doesn't. Greta doesn't want the path her mother has yeah, chosen for her. Her so mom okay. is basically one of the. She's that type of mom that would do the uh, the pageants. Would push her daughter to do the pageants. <gasps> She's Mama June, and Greta is Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> exactly. I bet they eat sketty. <laughs> well, no, because remember they're dieting. Oh, that's right. <laughs> She's not allowed to eat anything. But uh, the group makes plans to have a pool party later that night to celebrate their graduation. Because Yvonne is going to have the keys to lock up the school gym. Yep. Which I got questions about when we get to it. <laughs> uh, we also find out here that Dan and Alice have big plans to go away to Paris for the summer. Alice gets Dan alone for a moment and explains that she had a nightmare. He asks her if it was about Freddie, and she tells him no, but it was the first time she lost control sen- since all that, and she's worried. He's like, my dick is so good. <laughs> he, well, I don't think he was actually screwed her that night, because what did he do, like, run off while she was sleeping? Like, Yeah, because remember when she woke up, the window was open. So they had sex, and he crawled <laughs> out the window. I, I didn't take it like that at all. Oh, I did. <laughs> I'm picturing Dan just being like, until we meet again. I'm just jumping out the oh, window. Oh, like in Twilight Zone, the movie, <laughs> right. the old man who doesn't or who doesn't want to grow old again. Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. Pip pip cheerio. <laughs> just leaps out. Yep. I just nutted on your belly. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that wasn't sweat in that scene. Oh, honey bunches oh. of nuts. <laughs> But he assures her everything is fine and she's just stressed. 
So we now get a series of moments showing parents with their kids. Greta's mom is forcing her to take photos. Dan's parents are pushing him to talk to a football recruiter. And Alice is bummed out that her dad is nowhere in sight. You look really good, Alice. I'm really proud of you, Alice. Mm Mm-hmm. Alice, you look lovely. Yeah. Dad's fucking hiding behind a tree. Well, like Michael Myers hiding in the bush. Well, that's the thing. He pops out and tells her that he watched from behind the stands, that he didn't want to embarrass her, you know, having the town drunk as a father. So I was like, oh, I like, I like this guy. Like, he's a good dude. So we find out that he's no longer drinking and has joined AA. Uh, he's trying to fix the mistakes of the past and truly cares for his daughter. I, I Like I said, this is a, this is a good redemption arc. Yeah. You know, I like this character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but after graduation, Alice heads off to work with plans to meet up with her friends uh, when her shift is over. She goes to cross the park, and on her way to the diner, she overhears children singing the all-too-familiar nursery rhyme. Alice follows the kids into the woods as things grow dark and foggy. So, like, first of all, why are you following kids, you creeper? Right. <laughs> like, leave them alone. <laughs> uh, but eventually, she finds one of the kids who sings 7-8 Better Stay Awake, Nine ten, he's back again and runs off. So first time they've changed the nursery rhyme in the franchise. Um, Alice comes to a clearing and finds herself standing before before a gothic structure where a nun in white runs away from her. It was like the White Rabbit from you know Alice, Alice in Wonderland. Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, late. I'm late. <laughs> that's I mean it's tough. Once again, they're like oh Wonderland vibes, you know. And the staircase because mm-hmm. she's just running up the stairs and then all of a sudden. We have a gothic baby carriage, <laughs> which if you have not looked at tales of a gothic baby on, on the I TikTok, have. have you seen gothic baby goes to Disney? Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It is. <laughs> but Alice follows her inside and realizes that it's a hospital attached to a church. She wanders the halls and sees the, cra- the creepy dilapidated baby carriage following the nun in white. Alice follows behind the nun and suddenly finds herself on a gurney being wheeled into an operating room. She freaks out as the doctors and other nuns hold her down, telling her to be calm. The camera shifts, and suddenly Alice is amongst a crowd watching another woman on the operating table. We quickly find out that the woman is Amanda Kruger, and she's giving birth to Freddy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so this next sequence is fucking ridiculous and hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's keep going, because I got... I got shit. I got shit. Freddy Baby drops to the floor and scurries away. He looks like a deranged Muppet. I think he looks like from from Men in Black. Uh huh. The little when they take the face off the guy and it's like the little little alien. alien. Right. That's what Freddy looks like. (laughs) But it looks like they took that same puppet Mm. and then just like took took a lighter, took like a candle lighter, grill lighter, and burned him. I can see it. I can definitely see it. But I laughed my ass off when it was like the baby just kind of dropped out. Like, Bip. and why does he have lycanthrope feet? Why does he? Why? Why is he like four feet long? <laughs> like, I it's mean, that umbilical cord. It's just. It doesn't make any sense. But he uh, he scurries away like past everyone. Alice follows the baby into the church from the end of the last film. The baby scurries into Freddy's pile of clothes, which is still just sitting there from when she defeated him last time. Well, no one cleans. Yeah, apparently not. Um, and then he, he gets into the pile of clothes and screams, causing the windows to shatter and the building to begin to collapse. Alice is thrown back as the floor erupts, erupts and baby Freddy grows into adult Freddy with a comically long arm for some reason. <laughs> and he turns around and goes, it's a boy! And then hugs himself <laughs> with his long arm and goes, mm. 
It's like, what? Was was that hug tasty? I don't get it. It was delicious. <laughs> but Alice yells at him, you can't come back. I locked the door on you. Freddy grabs her and rubs her belly, saying, but I found the key. Suddenly the door opens and we see Amanda Kruger standing there. She says, your birth was a curse on the whole of humanity. I will not allow it to happen again. And she goes, you brought me back to give you life, but now I must take yours. Freddy hisses. He's like, <laughs> like a fucking cat. And then goes, we'll see, bitch. We'll just see. And fades into the shadows. <laughs> Amanda looks at Alice and tells her. And now I love this because she flat out tells her, I must be released from my earthly prison. Look for me in the tower. And the door slams. And throughout the rest of the fucking movie, Alice is like, oh, no, what she said. Where is she? Where is she? Like, she fucking told you. Get me out, I'm in the tower. And isn't it Mark who finally is like, oh, it's an empty grave. Right. It's like, what the... Mm, it pissed me off. This is why, I can't, this is why I'm saying the story doesn't make sense, because there's a lot of moments like this. Mm-hmm. But, so the door slams. Freddie mocks Alice saying, you'll never find her. And it's like, she just told you where to find her. And Alice goes to run. She opens the doors and ends up back in the diner. We find out that she's four hours late to work. So basically, she's just been wandering around the park for four hours like a hobo. Just talking to herself. Like Bam Margera. Right? Yeah, she's the, oh, she's a cryptid. She's the cryptid of Springwood. But Alice's co-worker tells her off and leaves. Alice runs to the phone to go call Dan. Cut to the pool party where we see all the high school graduates. We see Alice's friends chatting about everything from Dan and Alice going away to Greta's mother being a push, you know too pushy. Uh, to Yvonne and how hard she's been practicing her high dives. We also get a moment where one of the kids cuts himself on a a broken beer bottle, and that thing shatters so easy. Mm -hmm. He just, like, touches it, and it breaks into a thousand shards and cuts his hand. And Mark gets all woozy and almost passes out, so we find out he's afraid of blood. I wonder if that's going to play into this later. Nope. (laughs) We also get Chekhov's champagne. Yes, we do. Because they they grab the bottle of champagne, like, let's party! And Dan's like, that's for me and Alice. It's like, okay. Well, if you only knew right. that your seed is planted in her garden. <laughs> so Dan gets the call from Alice, and she explains what happened with Freddy. Dan tells her to stay put, and he'll come get her. So Dan tells his friends he's got to go and takes off, with the champagne, of course. As Dan drives his truck, he slowly begins to nod off. On the radio, there's a DJ taking calls, and Dan hears his mom call in and bitch about him and Alice. I love it because she's like... He's been an asshole ever since he met that little bitch, Alice. And he's like, Mom? <laughs> oh, God. This scene really is cool, though. Oh, the transformation. Yeah. Oh, I do yeah. I do like this. So, yes, what you said at the beginning. This is visually... It's stunning in yeah. many sequences. But, unfortunately, this was also the era where the MPAA was going ape shit on horror movies. And if you see the uncut Iron Man transformation sequence, it's fucking rad. They cut so much and truncated so much of that scene. Can I find it but, on the YouTubes? Uh, it's actually in the uh, documentary. They show you the... the. I have to watch it again because I don't... That's a long-ass documentary. It is. It's, it's like four hours. Yeah, so is but, the Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, I love that one too. Me too. But, um, but no, they, they show like... They had this thing. I don't, I don't know what chemicals it is. So I'm sure people listening are probably yelling at their, their phones. Oh, mate. Um, <laughs> 
But there's there's this chemical that reacts when apparently you you put it into latex, it melts it away. Mm-hmm. So like the sequences where we see the pipes like jab into his his hands and then the skin starts to, like, bubble, it's because they inject this chemical into it, and it melts away, revealing, like, this weird endoskeleton. Into his hand? Yeah. They inject the chemical into his hand? Mm-hmm. Uh, not into Dan's hand, into no. the fake hand. I was like, what? Well, I got All right, that joke fell flat, guys. <laughs> what did I miss? I wanted you to be like, yes, into his actual hand. Oh. <laughs> like, it's adamantium. Oh, I got gotcha. I'm sorry, I referenced a comic book. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> You're not allowed to do that. Nope. Um, Rufus is here to keep me in line. Yes, he is. He's watching you. But, uh, so yeah, so the the DJ responds now in Freddy's voice and tells her, if I were you, lady, I'd kill the ungrateful little piggy. <laughs> Suddenly, we see a Freddy hand reaching out of the radio and clawing at the dash. Dan is attacked by a seatbelt as it restrains him, making it so he can't drive. The car swerves all over the road as Dan struggles to gain control. He looks over and we see Freddy sitting next to him, also driving the truck. So it was like one of those... Uh, Driver's ed things. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where the teacher, the car has your side and then the teacher has the oh shit break. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for some reason, Freddy takes a swig of the champagne and spits it out and it's now acid. Yeah. And starts burning the dash. He goes, bad year, Dan. <laughs> like, okay. And it didn't solve like him. No, it didn't. No. <laughs> but... He then pours it on his arm for some reason, sizzling his arm off. He rips it off and sticks it to the roof and then uses it as a seatbelt. Like, okay. <laughs> like, Part of the, this makes no sense in the movie. It's bizarre as hell. It's like, I, I, I guess it looks cool, but whatever. So Dan crashes and is thrown from the car through the windshield and back into the pool, which is now empty. He jumps up, runs outside, and steals a motorcycle from the parking lot and takes off. He speeds along the highway, and of course the bike turns into a Freddy bike and begins attacking him. Now, as we were just discussing, this scene is gnarly as fuck. Like, wires and pipes are coming out and, like, jamming into his calves and body. It's it's cool. He's, like, ripping apart. Um, But after mutating Dan into the Iron Man, as they call him, uh, Freddy causes the bike to crash into oncoming traffic. At the diner, Alice goes to pour a cup of coffee for a customer when suddenly she gets a vision of Dan screaming for her as he falls down a long, fleshy tunnel, which we'll find out what that is later. Um, it's Freddy's penis shaft. <laughs> it's his butthole. <laughs> she fell into Freddy's butt. Oh. <laughs> Dan flakes. <laughs> Extra fiber. She screams out for him and we smash cut to Dan waking up in his truck as he crashes into a semi. Alice hears the accident and runs outside to see the flaming wreckage. Now, I got a quick question before we move on here. How fucking far away was the school that she walked from to get to the Craven where Dan had to drive so far that he would fall asleep? Like, Think of it like this. Okay, this is, this is my explanation. All mm-hmm. right, ready? Buckle up, buckaroos. So, Freddie is using... The dreams of the baby. Right. Dan's DNA is in that baby. Okay. So Alice says, because her dad offers to give her a ride to work. Yeah. And she says, it's just across the park. Right. When you're sleeping, I know for myself at least, unless maybe I really am a weirder than weirdo, you're, I feel that your dreams always seem to take much longer than they really are. Absolutely. So maybe... Wait, no, because then that wouldn't make sense if she was wandering around for four hours. Okay, here's my point in all this. Mm-hmm. 
if you call me, you're you need me. It's an emergency. Yeah, I'm not gonna fucking fall asleep on my way there. Exactly. And I don't think he fell asleep though. I yeah, really don't. Yeah, he did because it shows him. Yeah. It shows him. He he opens his eyes and he goes, "Oh, oh that's right." And yeah. then he slams into the truck. Like if you're rushing to get to someone because it's an emergency, you're not gonna fall asleep, right? Because well, your adrenaline, adrenaline is your adrenaline's gonna be exactly. So that part makes no sense that he fell asleep driving. And, and to me, I just keep thinking like the school was just across the park. They're at the school for the pool party. Right. So he literally just had to drive around the block. Right. So, and it shows him, like, on a highway. I'm like, where did he go? <laughs> he just, like, he wanted to get there faster, so he took the highway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's just around the... See, this is the parts that... These are the parts that bother me, because I'm like, it doesn't make sense to what you're trying to do. No. So. Yes, and I, re- I retract my entire statement I just made, because... <laughs> I was going in with the premise that dreams seem feel like they take longer. Right. But if you're wandering around for, for four, four hours, hours, that yeah. just takes my... I am no Stephen Hawking. <laughs> she fell into a time loop. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've done this before. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when she goes running over to the accident, I like the truck driver who pops up and looks like Freddy. He's got the, the hat and the red sweaters. He came out of nowhere. <laughs> Crazy motherfucker. Am I good to take a drink? Go for it. <laughs> Alice approaches the accident and sees Dan dead in the flaming wreckage. Suddenly wakes up speaking like Freddy and says, Hi, Alice, want to make babies? <laughs> then laughs, and Alice faints. I <laughs> she... love this scene in the hospital. <laughs> she wakes up later in the, hospi- in the same hospital that Yvonne works at, and her friend tries to comfort her, telling her that Dan has been in an accident Alice insists that it was Kruger saying that he used her, or yeah, he used her to get to to get through. No, no, sorry, said that wrong. Saying he used to get in through her dreams, but he's found another way. Uh, Yvonne tries to explain this isn't a dream, and that Dan is actually dead. In the hall, we see Dan's parents crying at the news. Alice's dad comes in, and Alice freaks out, explaining to him that it was Kruger that did this to Dan. Dad tries to explain to her that the police found fragments of a champagne bottle, basically chalking this up to drinking and driving. Dan would never drink. Daddy, you know Dan would never drink. <laughs> She's like, it was probably for me. <laughs> She's all pissed off. Because I'm the one that drinks now, Dad. <laughs> I learned it from you. Even though you're an alcoholic, I'm going to drink. But Alice continues to freak out as the doctor turns to Alice's dad and explains... These type of emotional outbursts are normal, especially at the beginning. The doctor then turns and tells her, everything is going to be fine. You'll be okay. Alice looks at everyone and goes, the hell is wrong with me? Oh my god, I love you, (laughs) Vons. Well, you're a little pregnant. She goes, nothing's wrong. But yeah, you're just a little pregnant. As opposed to a lot of pregnant, like... He just well, he just knocked you up, and it's like a gestation, like yeah. She's just a little pregnant. It's not it's not big yet. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and they didn't have those like things that you could look at online in the eighties. Like your baby is the size of a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> thumb baby. Oh, <laughs> toehead. They explained to Alice. Oh no, he looks like a thumb. Um, they expl- oh, it's the kid from House by the Cemetery. <laughs> They explained to Alice that she needs to stay in the hospital for the night uh, just for routine observation, but everything is going to be okay. So this is where Act 1 ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? <sighs> I'm confused. A wild ride, Charlie I don't, Brown. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't, personally, honestly, I don't even know how Freddy came back. I understand the baby mm-hmm. snuck into his stinking... But, but how did he come back right. initially? Right. Yeah. I, so, okay, I'm glad it's not just me like not paying Maybe. attention. Maybe... 
Jake the dog pissed on the clothes off camera. You mean Jason the dog? That's Jason right. That's right. Jake the dog. Jake is was Jacob. Adventure boy. time. Jake is the dog <laughs> who played Jason. Oh, okay. That's why I called him Jake. But the boy in this is called Jacob. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's why I thought you got the Jay. I thought you were talking about Finn and Jake from Adventure Time. <laughs> no, no. Because Jake is the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It was- Maybe it was Isaac from Children <laughs> of the Corn. That, that scene in the motorcycle was cool, though. Yeah. Him. Yeah, I really did That's like the that. best part of the movie so the, far. The story is not making sense. Well, and, and here's the thing, and, and I can actually answer how he came back, and I still don't think it makes sense. Because Amanda says, you brought me back to give you life, but I won't let it happen again. So she was apparently, like, her birth in the dream... Like, her birthing Fred was orchestrated by Freddy. So, once again, he's his own grandpa. Like, he's like, it doesn't make any no. logical sense. Like, how did you come back? You were defeated. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole Dream Master Dream Gate thing we played around with in the last movie. Well, she fucking closed your gate and you died. Yeah. Like, how did you come back? And so. Are it, you the key master? <laughs> she's the gatekeeper. I don't know. I just I, the the origin of Freddy in this makes no fucking sense. Um, I do love the look of stuff, but man, yeah, there's the like I said, the story doesn't make sense. So Act Two picks up uh, at, at that night at the hospital. We see a young boy named Jacob wandering into Alice's room. Alice introduces herself and asks why he's in, why he isn't in his room, and he tells her that it's lonely there. And then he comments, "I'm sorry, your boyfriend got killed." How do you know? Yeah. She goes, how did you know that? And he goes, I could tell you were sad, and I wanted to make sure you were all right. I'm like, that doesn't explain how you knew he was dead. <coughs> Maybe his mom's boyfriend died, and she was sad. Oh, so he just oh, put wait, two no. together. Ye- yes, because we find out that Jacob is her baby. Mm-hmm. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> but before Alice can say anything else, Jacob runs off. Tee. <laughs> Cut to Greta in her room crying over the death of her friend and looking at pictures of Dan. Her annoying mother calls up in a sing-song voice, telling her it's time to get her beauty sleep, commenting, we don't want circles under those beautiful eyes. It's like, ugh. And like, (laughs) I know you're supposed to hate her mom, but just these types of parents in general can just fuck all the way off. Yeah. Like pageant parents, I I can't stand them. But we see, now this this is another kind of like thread they were trying to run with like, Greta having all these porcelain dolls and like her mom is treating her like a porcelain doll. Mm-hmm. Like there's just, and like, you know, we, when we see her later, it's like, she's breaking like a doll. Like there's a lot of doll themes running with, with her, but we see her holding a porcelain doll. And when her mom tells her to go to bed, she puts the doll up on like a shelf and it falls and shatters on the news that she was reading about Dan. And so, um, let me see here. Ba-ba-ba. Yeah, the next day, Alice asks Yvonne about Jacob, saying that she wants to know what's wrong with him. Yvonne tells her there are no children in the hospital, that they don't even have a children's ward. And she's like, well, he's wearing a hospital gown. She's like, I don't know what to tell you, you fucking crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you know, there's, there's no kids here. So we cut to Alice and her friends hanging out at her house. Alice is explaining the story of Amanda Kruger and Freddie. Because the filmmakers need to make sure the audience is up to speed, even if they haven't seen the rest of the franchise. <laughs> so, once again, we get the whole origin story. Um, of course, her friends think she's a bit nuts. Uh, once she gets to the part about him killing people in their dreams and using her dreams to kill those around her. Blaming herself for Dan's death. 
Yvonne tries to be the voice of reason, pointing out that Dan died when Alice wasn't even asleep. So assuming that what she fears is true, she couldn't be responsible because she was wide awake. Alice tries to say that Freddy must have found another way. Greta tells her, if anyone is going to try to hurt you, supernatural or otherwise, they'll have to go through all of us first. And they all hug her, saying, you know, basically agreeing, saying, yeah, all of us. To which Alice goes, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that didn't sound like a sitcom moment. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> but this this next scene is a really good character moment that I really like. This is This is the types of scenes that elevate the movie for me. Because uh, we see Alice crying quietly to herself in the kitchen when her dad comes home with groceries. Alice quickly tries to dry her tears and asks him about AA, like, you know, how was the meeting? To which he comments, sobering. <laughs> she was, like, very funny. And uh, they start putting away the groceries, and she goes, when did you become such a smart shopper? And he says, ever since my little girl became a mom. She looks at her father and asks, are you disappointed in me? To which he smiles and just says, no, no, I'm not. Don't make it a habit. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, just don't make it a habit. Like, he gets that little smirk. Like, like, what are you thinking? She's going to go and, like, fuck every guy in town now? <laughs> There's going to be a baby factory. Just <laughs> spooting them out. Spooting them out? Spooting out those what is this? Don't <laughs> breathe? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's more because she's young. He's like, yeah. What's that? You know. I think he was just trying to add some levity to the situation because yeah. it was so serious. Because, you know, he, he told her he's not disappointed in her at all. You know, and then they both are smiling. She's still kind of teary-eyed. And he, then he, like, smirks and goes, just don't make it a habit. Like, yeah. I think it was more like... You know, so he's Joe Pesci now? Exactly. Yeah, I know, I, I know how my dad gets when, when things get emotional. He starts busting balls because he doesn't know how to, you know. My dad says, shut up. Yeah, exactly. But I like he, he goes on to say, I sort of hope it's a boy. It'd be nice to hear a boy playing in the house again. And then he stares quietly for a moment. That, that scene almost broke me because I got a little choked up because you could tell he was thinking about his son who passed. And it's like, oh, fuck, that's like... These little character moments in this film are done really well. So, you know, Alice hugs her father and, like, the two of them have this nice little moment. But we cut to a dinner party at Greta's house that is just fucking gross. Oh. <laughs> like, everything from the guests to the... F- everything's gross. Uh, I know it's 89, but, man, the prosthetics in this were terrible looking. Oh, yeah, they were. They, they really were. <laughs> but, I mean, they were comical, which yeah. is kind of what I like about it. It's yeah. very cartoonish. But it, but it is bad. Oh, it looks dumb. It kind of reminded me if you had the dinner scene from Beetlejuice, but you got it on Wish. It Well, that's the thing. It has a very Tim Burton-esque vibe to it. Like yeah. The, the coloration of the scene, the cartoonishness of the violence. Mm-hmm. Like, everything felt very Tim Burton. Um, but it's like, right off the bat, we get Greta's mom bragging about how often they're mistaken for sisters. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then one of the guests is just commenting on Greta's body, looking her up and down, being like, oh, you would be perfect for modeling. It's like, ew. Like, just everybody in this this scene is creepy. So mom comments that Greta should show more gratitude for the opportunity she's being offered. To which she comments back that my, or my friend was just killed. Mind if I take a few hours off? Then we get this weaselly little douche nozzle who's like, oh, I read about him. He was drunk or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck off. Like... What a douche. And then Greta's mom's like, oh, he was no one special to Greta. Not someone she was seeing. It's like, fuck all of you. Right. I, oh, I hate the scene. So the whole thing culminates with a waiter offering Greta some food and her declining, saying she's not hungry. The crowd then gasps, and Greta's mom insists that she eats something. 
that and saying the reason that they diet is so they can eat at social gatherings without upsetting the other guests. Suddenly, Freddy pops up as a waiter and locks Greta into a nightmare high chair. He uncovers a cloche with a, por a porcelain baby doll lying on a bed of veggies and seafood and goes, Bon appetit, bitch! <laughs> Which fucking cracks me yeah. up every time. He then proceeds to force feed Greta chunks of what looks to be meaty jello with his claws that now have a little spoon on them. <laughs> I know it's so dumb, but my God, I laugh every time. Yeah. <laughs> but, so he's shoveling, you know, chunks of meat into her mouth. And she's choking. All the while, the dinner guests are laughing at her. In the waking world, we see Greta jump up and start actually choking. Uh, cut to Alice in her kitchen, putting things in the fridge, which suddenly goes all Pee-wee's Playhouse and becomes claymation. Mm -hmm. Which, again, I love that sequence because I was like, hey, it's like the freezer at Pee-wee's Playhouse. Mm. Uh, the food starts to rot and mold and gross shit like eyeballs and bugs appear in the food. And spider webs appear. Yeah, spider webs on the, uh, in the, in the <clears> fridge. Suddenly, dying Greta pops out of the fridge screaming. Alice tries to grab her and pull her out, but Freddy grabs Greta back and yanks her into the fridge. The door slams shut, and we see a little note <laughs> stuck to the fridge with a magnet that says, Die, bitch. <laughs> like, this is, this is the movie where we start to get the overuse of Freddy's bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but back at Greta's house, she flops over dead on the table, much to the shock of the other guests. Back at Alice's, she opens the fridge to find absolutely nothing. So, dun-dun-dun, what's happening? Cut to Yvonne and Alice going to see Mark. And it's never really explained uh, too clearly, but his dad owns some kind of warehouse that Mark just kind of hangs out in. See, I thought Mark lived there. Well, that's the thing, he's got he's a got room. The bed. <laughs> he's got a bed. He's got an art studio and a bed. But, like, <clears throat> when they're approaching, I didn't, I didn't catch what it said, but it was, like, something warehouse and storage. Mm-hmm. And his dad is the one that he's like, hey, I think he's back here somewhere, girls. And he walks him in. And you just see Mark, like, sadly skateboarding down the aisles. Mm. But It's the warehouse from Blair Witch 2. <laughs> I actually do like that movie. Mm. Even though Gothy McGotherson is in it. But they try to talk to him about Greta, and he's clearly upset about it. Um, Alice tries to say that it was Freddy, to which Mark wants to know more, stating that if there's any chance that someone or something could be behind her death, he wants to know. Yvonne calls this out for being utter nonsense. Mark kind of blows up at her, taking his anger and pain out on her, being like, then get the fuck out then! And then immediately he's like, I'm sorry, I'm an asshole. Like, <laughs> I was in love with her. Which, you know, but that, again... That reminds me of all of our friendships in early 20s. Like, how, how frequently did shit like that happen? Where tempers got flared, and someone would be like, well, fuck you then. And then immediately you're like, I feel bad. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And, like, friends are like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a dick. You know? It's like, that's, it reminds me of late teens, early 20s. Like, it just, it felt real. But he immediately apologizes to her and asks her to stay. She forgives him, but tells both him and Alice that she has to leave to go to work at the hospital. So Mark and Alice stay behind and continue to discuss Freddy. He laments that he never got to tell Greta how he felt about her, saying that he loved her and that he was too much of a chicken to say so. He then says he wishes he was more like his comic character, the Phantom Prowler, hmm. who's not afraid of anything and totally looks like an early image character. Tell me he don't look like he would be right at home in Youngblood. Yeah. <laughs> um, he then asks Alice to tell him more about Kruger. She says, I'm going to put on some coffee. You look tired and there's a lot to tell. 
Cut to Alice coming back with coffee, where she finds Mark passed out. Like, he literally just climbed up into his bed and went to sleep. He was like, I don't want to talk about this. (laughs) But she walks in and she sees the drawing of 1428 Elm Street on his art desk. She then sees an animated version of Mark walking toward the front door of the house in the drawing. She panics and draws a little stick figure of herself and labels it Alice. (laughs) Like, that was just the most simple little girl stick figure. And just, it's like, let me write Alice over it so everyone knows what it's supposed to be. (laughs) She labels it Alice, closes her eyes, and then when she opens them again, she's in front of the old house. She goes inside to look for Mark and finds him hanging on the edge of a pit that leads to the fleshy tunnel that she saw Dan fall into. Freddy's butthole. (laughs) It's Freddy's butt tunnel. (laughs) It's butt pipe. So she runs over and pulls him up out of the hole, out of the butt pipe. And as she does, the floor seals up back behind him. So yeah, it is a sphincter. It just closed right up. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> they go to leave, but Mark looks down at his hands and sees they're bleeding. He immediately faints. This was cool. When he hits the ground, he turns into a puff of smoke and disappears. Yeah. I was like, that looked cool. So Alice turns to see Jacob standing in the middle of the room. She asks him if he's okay, saying he doesn't look good, and he tells her that he's been having bad dreams. She asks what he's doing there, and he tells her that he's just waiting for someone. She suggests that they go find his mom, saying this isn't a safe place for him to be waiting, and he tells her that his mom doesn't want him. She goes, oh, I'm sure that's not true, and then he snaps at her going, you know, why don't you like me? I like you. I want to stay with you. And it's like, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Like, what the hell? So, Alice, clearly confused, says, who said I didn't like you? And he goes, my friend with the funny hand. And she tells him, like, once again, they need to leave. And then Jacob panics, saying, no, no, I have to go. He's calling me and runs upstairs. So Alice gives chase and finds herself back in the waking world in Mark's art studio again. Uh, with a terrified Mark lying on the floor with sliced up hands, saying, holy shit, he's real, isn't he? A naked dickless Alice gives chase. <laughs> so uh, Alice patches him up, telling him that Kruger is after her baby. That he's doing something to Jacob. I like that he's like, Who, who's Jacob? She goes, my baby! And he's like, you already named him? She's like, I guess I did. But Mark tells her that if she's so worried about her baby, call Yvonne and have the doctor check him out. Meanwhile, he's going to go see what he can dig up about Kruger. Now, <laughs> I get it. I understand. A little, little side rant here. I understand that the parents of Springwood covered up the murders. But keep in mind, this shit has been going on every year for, like, the last five years. You'd think it would be like a local urban legend. Like, all these kids over on Elm Street keep fucking dying. Hmm. You know, like, I'm sure they're not able to cover it up that good. I love how no one in every film, everyone's like, Did you ever hear about Elm Street? Oh, shit. You mean the street that I live next to? Like, it's it's just weird. Yeah, I heard a guy got turned into a blenda in his bed. (laughs) And then some other kid died and he was in his waterbed. You're lying. And the mother's like, I'm not lying. (laughs) There was no water anywhere. He somehow got in. But yeah, it's like, because especially in the sixth movie, because they make it very clear that every child in all of Springwood is dead. So like, how did it get that far with everyone being like, nope, nope, not happening. Like, come on. It's because of the preposterous ways that they die. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, when you get turned into a roach and crushed in a roach motel, something's weird. Let's just forget about it. (laughs) Just just don't look. Just don't look. Oh, man. But 
we cut to Alice and Yvonne at the hospital. Yvonne thinks that the, all this Kruger stuff is nonsense. And the fact that Alice thinks he's after a baby is just ridiculous. Alice finally puts the pieces together here and says, Do unborn babies dream? Yvonne tells her, yeah. And she goes, so, you know, basically she realizes Freddy is using the dreams of her unborn child. And then Yvonne's like, please don't bring up any of the dream stuff to the doctor. You're going to get me fired. Cut to Alice getting an ultrasound, even though the doctor seems annoyed and is commenting that it wasn't necessary at this stage of her pregnancy. Wait, isn't this when she's, Yvonne's like, I, the doctor came in on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, okay. she's like, you're going to get me fired. Don't be crazy. <laughs> so Alice confirms with the doctor about babies dreaming. And he tells her that a baby can spend up to 70% of its day in a dreamlike state. Then he goes, is that why we're here? You think your baby's having nightmares? And she's like, well, we're here to find out everything we can. <laughs> and that exa- like that's not an exaggeration. That's really how she said it is how much just <laughs> That's the, the, the cadence. <laughs> but while getting the ultrasound, Alice stares at the screen and suddenly gets a vision of static, like from the monitor, overtaking her body and pulling her into the screen. She travels down the fleshy tunnel that we've seen all the, all these times. Freddy's butt pipe. He must and, have had a colonoscopy lately. Yeah, because it's pretty clean it in there. It is pretty clean in there. Yeah. <laughs> but she travels down the fleshy tunnel and uh, ends up in the womb with her baby. Now, side note, this is pre-CGI, so they had to build a little fetus puppet and, like, a, a little fake womb. Like, that's kind of impressive to me. <laughs> was th- I was thinking about that watching that going, that's a puppet. <laughs> like, this, this is not CG. That's kind of cool. Um, but in the womb, we see a Freddy face laughing at Alice going, see any family resemblance? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we saw your butt pipe. But, um, <laughs> but he then sends the souls of Dan and Greta down the umbilical cord saying soul food, soul food for my boy. So in case people hasn't, haven't figured it out yet, the flesh tunnel is actually the umbilical cord traveling down to baby Jacob. Alice comes, uh, comes to, blah, blah, blah. Alice comes to in a panic, screaming something is wrong with her baby. The doctor assures her that everything is perfectly fine. She turns to Yvonne and says that Freddy is feeding their souls to my baby. He's trying to make them just like him. The doctor's like, the fuck? <laughs> he looks at her like she's lost her mind. Yvonne just smiles and she's like, you're, you're just tired. Let, let's go home. And she's looking at the doctor like, please don't fire me. <laughs> so... As they leave, he picks up a phone and calls somebody. Smash cut to Alice's bedroom. She and Yvonne are arguing about Freddy. Yvonne is insisting that it's crazy talk and they need to stop worrying about this and start focusing on her baby. Alice tries to tell her that that's exactly what she's doing, that Kruger is after her baby. The two go back and forth arguing until Mark comes in with a stack of books and papers. Yvonne tells Alice to leave Springwood and go somewhere, uh, go somewhere far away, cool off for a while. Alice says... You, you can't just run away from a guy like this. He finds you in your dreams. And Mark holds up all the papers going, he found a lot of other people's be- people before he found us. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he found a fucking stack mm-hmm. of information. How the hell do these kids not know? Maybe they were rich enough to have internet. Well, I don't know. This was like 89. There wouldn't be a lot of internet info there. No. I think he went to the library and checked out the card catalog. <laughs> Look to murders. But so, you know, he's you know, he's trying to explain that, you know, it actually it actually did happen. Alice isn't crazy. Um Yvonne is pissed saying, Not you too, and Mark shows her his sliced up hand saying he invited me to his house last night. 
Yvonne thinks the whole situation is nuts and refuses to hear any more. She knocks the papers out of Mark's hands and storms out. Alice fills in Mark on what's happening, how Freddy is using her dreams and uh, the dreams of her unborn child to attack them. Mark suggests that maybe you know, get an abortion, citing no baby, no baby's dreams. Uh, Alice considers for a moment, but tells him that she can't go through with it, that she saw Jacob growing inside of her, and he's a part of her and Dan, so she can't let him go. Mark assures her that they'll find another way to beat Freddy. They then start to clean up the papers when Alice comes across a picture of Amanda Kruger stating, I've seen her before, and we can see in the shot, it clearly states Amanda Kruger. Mm -hmm. Why didn't she put two and two together? We do see the article Pregnant, later. Pregnancy brain. Maybe. But it's still early. Is yeah, this? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> this is like days into her pregnancy. Um, now, we do see the article later, and it doesn't say Amanda Kruger on it, so I think someone fucked up in the edit. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Because huh. it, it, it says something about the evils within our society, and it was talking about like what happened to this poor nun... But the first time we see that exact same picture, it literally says something about the death of Amanda Kruger across the top. But Alice's dad yells upstairs, saying that she needs to come downstairs for a minute. She heads downstairs to find Dan's parents there. This whole scene pisses me right oh. the fuck off. But again, I love it because it adds the realistic drama to it. Yeah. So basically Dan's parents ask what she intends to do with her baby. She explains that she plans to keep it. And they go on suggesting that it might be too much for her and explain that they would like to adopt the child and raise it as their own. She tells them that she appreciates the offer, but no. And then um, dad go the dad goes on to explain that they received a call from Alice's doctor who ha basically told them she was having paranoid delusions and was acting hysterical. So you'd think that at this point she would learn, don't talk about Freddie in front of other people. She doesn't know. She keeps doing it. Also HIPAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, eh, no, that's, uh, that's, if that's family member, yeah, they can, so basically, it's not her family member, no, but the, basically but the, the doctor called Dan's parents. If, if the patient is not <clears throat> acting of sound mind and they're involved, like you can talk to family. So it does, it does depend on what the situation is. Hmm. So I didn't know that. Yep. I learned something today. Now. They, they like, the family couldn't call the hospital and ask for information because you can't prove who it is over the phone. Mm -hmm. But if the, if the doctor has the contact of the family and they call them, they can then explain what's going on. So, little, little, HIPAA's, HIPAA's tricky. Um, but yeah, Alice tells them you're not, that they're not taking, taking her baby and Dan's mom, ooh, she pisses me off. She goes, well, the courts may not agree with you. It's like, oh, fuck all the way off with that. Like, it's going to sue him for the baby. You know, they can be part of the baby's life, and we don't think you can handle it. Okay, so help me financially and emotionally. Right. No, they just want to take the baby. And this is where Dad stands up basically saying he's hurt enough that they're not going to come into his house and threaten his daughter. And I fucking love that part. <laughs> I know. He was like, fuck you. Um, Alice and Mark storm out while Dad gives Dan's parents the stank eye. Also... Mark's just, like, standing there awkwardly, and then he, like, comes and stands behind Alice like he's gonna, like, <laughs> like throw down. And then Alice, like, storms out, and he's like, huh. <laughs> With his stack of books. Yep, and then he just, like, walks away, shimmies away. <laughs> oh. 
So we cut to Mark and Alice talking about Amanda Kruger back at his place. Mark explains that after what happened to Amanda, she spent the rest of her life in the asylum, and after Freddie's trial, she committed suicide by hanging herself. However, they never found her body. So how did they know she hung herself? <laughs> this is, again, this is the problem. He literally says she hung herself and then says, but they never found her body. Like, th- those sentences are back to back. So how did they know she hung herself? I, it, 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 these are the details that drive me insane. Um, so Alice comments that she saw Amanda's grave and he goes, no, it's a, it's a memorial plot. No body. It's empty. So they combine. I dug it up myself. <laughs> I went and looked. They combine this knowledge with what Amanda told Alice in the dream about needing to be released from her earthly prison. And they realize that her soul must be set free. You know, after she told them that. Yeah. I'm going to find me in the tower. <laughs> but I wonder where she could be. <laughs> well, if it's that goth, there's probably many towers. This is true. Um. So basically what they're getting at is the old Catholic idea of that if you commit suicide, you're trapped in purgatory, mm-hmm. you know. So that is kind of what they're playing with here. So Alice realizes that Amanda was trying to tell her where, where she was when Freddie stopped her. I'm like, no, but she, but he didn't. She told you. Like, you just weren't listening. <laughs> he hugged himself and then hissed at her. Yeah. And then, then she shut the door. She was like, find me in the tower. But she tells Mark to watch her as she sleeps so she can go and try to find Amanda. And then she just climbs up the ladder and, like, lays down on his bed in her Canadian tuxedo and just falls asleep like that. And just, like, instantly. Like, everybody is always so tired in a Nightmare on Elm Street film that the moment their head hits the pillow, they're like, meh, and they're just out. And I love how, like, this would have been a great, like, hist- like funny montage. Because uh. then there's, like... We see her, and then he's there on the floor, like, on his side, like, hand on the side of his head, flipping through. He should have been, like, laying on the floor, like, on his stomach, feet behind him, like, kicking him around. <laughs> like the girls in Greece? Yes. <laughs> he's Rizzo. Aw. <laughs> he is. But, no, I think he's more Frenchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so this is where Act 2 ends. What are you guys thinking at this point? I think she hung herself, and they never found her body. <laughs> Maurice, you look pained. <laughs> He's like, fuck this movie. Trying to figure this out is giving me a headache. <clears throat> Why? Where her body is? I don't know. The whole story. Yeah. Um, Amanda Kruger, where's her body? I don't know. I don't know. Remember the cheerleaders from Saturday Night Live? How, how is her, her name in one article, but the same article a few minutes later, there isn't. There is no Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's no name. There's so many sloppy mistakes in the storytelling <clears throat> in this Invisible film. Invisible ink. Ah, there we go. There Disappearing we go. Ink. Mm-hmm. So that is Scooby-Doo. This become a Scooby-Doo movie. This kind of is very Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You know, finding find the we mystery. found the clue. Yeah. Well, they got to they got track it down. They're going to... They found the invisible ink. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, honestly, I really do like the human drama elements of, of Act 2. I, I think that that's probably the highlight, along with just the visuals. Uh, but yeah, story-wise, whoo, boy, this this is hurting. So we open Act 3 with Yvonne at the pool looking distraught. She gets into the hot tub and looks as though she may fall asleep. Go for it, Woody. All right, I raised my hand again in case you guys didn't know. Here's my thing. That's a high school pool. Mm-hmm. 
she gets the oh everyone's gone from yep. her co-swimmer or teammate whatever you want to call it and she missed call practice. her she missed practice but she swims where there's no lifeguard like that's just asking mm-hmm. for an it follows moment <laughs> right which in case you forgot i hated that movie i'm still curious i want to know what kind of high school has a hot tub right because i'm like my high school sure shit did not have that <laughs> but I, and, and the other thing is like why are you going to get in a hot tub when you're ready to fall asleep you know your ass going to fall asleep then like, yeah. don't do it well she doesn't believe all this poppycock yeah but she believes in drowning I'm sure that's true because yeah she even like slips under the water <laughs> like a la Nancy in part one it's like she's she's like I'm sleepy. Also, can we talk about how in the 80s, like, women did not have vaginas at all. They all had Barbie. <laughs> the Barbie crotch? The Barbie crotch. Like, because I'm, I'm telling you, it was as, their bathing suit bottoms were as thin as the cord on this phone. Mm-hmm. But, the, the, well, I, I guarantee you in the film, they were doing that, like, all right, we're, we're going to put the little modesty patch underneath the, uh, something that cosplayers need to remember exists. I don't need to see your religion when you cosplay Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> but, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hear it! Exactly. So we cut to Alice in the dream. She's in the hospital looking for Amanda. While Mark sits awake reading comic books and watching her. <laughs> Grease montage. <laughs> she makes her way up a rickety set of stairs toward the tower. But when she gets to the top, it's completely sealed off behind a brick wall. Back to Yvonne at the pool, we see her get out of the hot tub and make her way up toward the high dive, where uh, we see Freddy watching her as he scratches his claws along the railings. Yvonne gets on the diving board and is about to jump when the board rips apart and turns into giant Freddy claws that curl over top of her, trying to grab her, forcing her to jump. She falls toward the water and into a dream where where we see she's falling toward the ground and a tiny little puddle. It was like the Looney Tunes moment of diving in the glass of water. Mm Mm-hmm. She hits the puddle, crashes through into murky water in the boiler room. Meanwhile, Alice is pulled pulled up against the wall and sent flying into the room that Yvonne just fell into. It was poo water. It was poo water. It was very. It was. It was the same poo water from the from beginning. The beginning. Of the yeah, that's where it came from. The boiler. I mean, Freddie may be dead, but he's got a poo. Yeah, that's true. Eating all them souls. That's. I hear souls go right through you too. They do. <laughs> He's got soul diarrhea. That's why it is in chunky water. Yes. And there's no corn. (laughs) That's why his butt pipe's so clean. (laughs) Nothing sticking around. But Freddy sits up from the water and taunts her, pulling Yvonne up out of the water and laughing. Alice grabs a nearby pool skimmer and stabs Freddy through the mouth and into some pipes. That is so fucking funny to me because it's just like, ah! She fucking deep throated it. Oh, my God. So, Alice grabs Yvonne and the two run. As soon as they leave the room, Freddy almost looks scared and slams the door behind them. Alice realizes that he's not following because of Amanda. Yvonne looks at Alice and cries out, You're not crazy. Like, she looks so sad about it. Like, ah, oh, fuck. I'd be glad that my friend isn't crazy. But I'd be pissed that that's the reality. In in this scenario, I don't think I would be happy. I'd be like, I was much happier when I thought you were nuts. I don't want to be part of this. So we cut to Mark reading his comic books back in his room. He picks up a comic called Nightmares from Hell and begins flipping through it. It depicts the events of the movie thus far. Suddenly he flips to a page of himself reading the comic book and is sucked into it just like the Take On Me video. (laughs) 
I do love the way this whole sequence looks. Though. Yeah. Like, it looks so cool. So Mark finds himself in a nightmare version of the warehouse with Freddy chasing him on a skateboard. <laughs> because why not? It was, at this point, everything was radical and tubular. Yep. <laughs> so, and you notice how on the back of the skateboard there was little claws? Yes. <laughs> Stick it up, I love that. So how come there hasn't been a toy of that? Freddy on a skateboard with the claws. Because this movie was not good. But come on, NECA, you've made everything else. Make that one. Um, so as he's skateboarding after Mark, he's cutting through supports on the shelves and then disappears. Suddenly the shelves all crash down all around Mark, trapping him. Suddenly blood drips on his head and he looks up to see Freddy with Greta. She's bleeding from the gut and begging Mark for help. Freddy laughs and says, is she delicious or am I crazy? And scoops up her wound and starts eating it. <laughs> It's like mm, meat jello. <laughs> but, Better than green jello. Uh, I don't know. I think I like green jello. Little pig, little pig. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I like green jello better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he then throws her from the ledge where she shatters like a porcelain doll on the ground in front of Mark. Freddie jumps down behind Mark laughing. Mark screams and spins around as the Phantom Prowler, his comic book character, and says, Time to die, you scar-faced limp dick. Which I fucking That was love. great, yeah. He starts shooting him. Now, again, this is visually, it's really cool. Every bullet uh, that hits Freddy, the bullet hole, like, explodes into, like, paper bits. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's shooting through a comic book. I was like, that's really cool looking. Um, but just when it looks like Freddy is down for the count, he jumps up all muscle-bound as Super Freddy. He goes, faster than a bastard maniac. More powerful than a loco madman. It's Super Freddy. Mark shoots him, but it has no effect. Freddy gets in close and slashes Mark. He turns into a paper cutout of himself with a huge rip in his side. All the color bleeds out of him, leaving the paper black and white, as Freddy shreds paper Mark, killing him. Again, I That's like that cool, death. It is that a was cool a death. cool death. And that was all done in camera. That was that, that whole, like animation that's all in camera it's literally dissolves from different cutouts of mark so i thought that was really cool but alice wakes up and screams as she finds mark dead crushed under a bunch of fallen shelves cut to yvonne at the pool jumping up out of the hot tub so she's been sleeping underwater this whole time (laughs) she jumps up out of the hot tub looking terrified now we get a rather chaotic scene where we see alice and her dad outside of mark's warehouse The cops and paramedics are there taking Mark's body away, while one of the cops is complaining that nothing in the warehouse was up to code, stating Alice is lucky that she didn't die, too. And I love how Alice, once again, (laughs) she didn't learn from the doctor. She's like, no, he needs me alive. Like, anyone knows what the fuck she's talking about. And they're like, who are you talking about? And her dad's like, no no one. She's just very upset. (laughs) Right. Like, stop being a fucking loony. And so the cops are confused by what the hell she's talking about. And like you said, her dad tries to play damage control. Meanwhile, Yvonne shows up and finds out about Mark. Alice tries to tell her that they need to finish this, that they need to find Amanda. Alice realizes that uh, that she was in the tower when Freddy used Yvonne to distract her. So maybe Amanda's in the tower. You know, the place she fucking told you about at the beginning of the movie. Where she hung herself, but they never <coughs> found her body. Right. Oh, it's so annoying. So she tells Yvonne to go to the old asylum where all of this started and find Amanda's body. Alice's dad drags her off, forcing her to come home with him, and Yvonne heads off to the asylum. 
So now, I got questions here. This, this bothers the fuck out of me. So Yvonne arrives at the asylum, and what we've been seeing in the dream, which I, up to this point, always assumed was just the dream version of the asylum. No, that's really no, what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It's got gargoyles on it. It's this big gothic structure in just the middle of Springwood for some fucking reason. But this is supposed to be the same damn asylum we saw in part three. Yeah. So two questions. One, when did it get the European gothic overhaul? Um, and two, this is what? Three years max after the events of part three? So you're telling me that this entire building not only like lost all funding so everyone was out of a job there, but fell into complete disarray in three years. Yeah. Like, bullshit. <laughs> Drives me fucking crazy. So it's like, all right, this is, this is not dream version. It's not like uh, 1428 Elm where it's like the dream version of it was all fucked up, but in reality it was just a boarded up old house. Mm-hmm. No, this is actually what this place looks like. Like, come on, guys. So, meanwhile, we see Alice at home trying to go to sleep to dream about the asylum. Uh, we we're, blah, blah, blah. we get back uh, this back and forth between her and Yvonne. Uh, Yvonne in the waking world looking for Amanda, and Alice in the dream world searching for Freddy to fight him. Uh, she's she's pretty pissed off at this point. She's trying to taunt Freddy, telling him that she's stronger than him, and she's not going to allow him to harm her baby. Basically, I'm gonna kick your ass, Freddy. <laughs> So we see Yvonne climb the tower and she finds the bricked up wall. She begins to break in. Back in the dream world, Freddy starts chasing after Alice, who hides from him. Freddy loses her and she pops up behind him, pushing the nightmare baby carriage that's all covered in spikes now for reasons. (laughs) She rams him with it, impaling him and shoving him into the ward where Amanda was attacked all those years ago. Freddy gets up and looks terrified as the maniacs close in around him and begin ripping him apart. Alice watches as they literally pull him apart piece by piece. The limbs hit the ground and turn into tarantulas that are painted red and green. (laughs) And of course causes Alice to freak the fuck out. Suddenly she hears Jacob giggling and Freddy talking to him. She goes back down the hallway and ends up in this crazy M.C. Escher-style room with stairways that are going sideways and upside down, water flowing upward, chains hanging sideways. It's a really cool set. I will give them that. It is. Um, so we see Freddy is kind of half torn apart. He's like, like my new look, Alice? <laughs> He's got like an arm just dragging on the ground. <laughs> We see, uh, like, he basically standing next to Jacob, and Jacob tells her that this is his friend. Alice tells him to get away from him and to come to her. And we now get this weird, crazy chase sequence where, you know, Jacob's running up the sideways stairs and Freddy's on the upside down stairs and Alice is running on the other stairs. Like, just, it reminded me of the end sequence of Labyrinth. (laughs) Yes. It just needed David Bowie singing over top of it. But eventually Jacob reaches Alice and the two look around for Freddy, who's now nowhere to be found. Alice calls out for Freddy to show himself, and Jacob tells her that he's hiding inside of her where he always hides. So, wait, what? Like, so now he was part of Alice all along and not part of Amanda? Like, what? you told us Amanda came back to give him birth again, so how the fuck has he been hiding in, in Alice this whole time? It don't make sense. Because Alice was the one who was on the gurney when they originally went into the operating room... So that's how he became part of her. I don't... I, 
it, did he mean because he's a part of the baby? Maybe, but he Jacob goes on to say that's how he found me. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. See, this I'm not gonna sit here and try to figure it out. Yeah, it just it just it really doesn't make sense. That's the problem with the plot of this one. Um. So Alice is like, you know, come on, Kruger, this time it's for keeps. And she starts grunting like she's just going to drop a deuce right there. And then, She really does. Like she's constipated and then... She's like... <laughs> and the suppository's kicking in. And then suddenly she just looks like Freddy and starts like pulling on her face. And like you see, it looks like the, the thing where you get the, the two-headed monster. Yeah. It's like they're splitting apart at the mouth. Um, it is a really cool special effects sequence. But we cut back to Yvonne, who breaks through the wall, and we see Amanda Kruger kneeling by the window in the room. Yvonne goes over to her, and as soon as she touches Amanda, she turns into a skeleton, like, one last jump scare, like, Pick-a-boo! She turns into a skeleton, and then a ghostly image of Amanda, and thanks Yvonne before disappearing, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. Like, her fucking nun habit just falls like his Jedi robes. Also, no one saw the bones right? this whole fucking time. I swear, I feel like some maintenance guy was like, I ain't cleaning that up, and just bricked up the doorway. I don't know where she is. <laughs> oh, I'm damned if I know. But, uh, yeah, so we get the Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. Back in the dream, Alice and Freddy are still fighting to separate. Amanda somehow shows up and tells Jacob that he has to help Alice, that she can't win, and it's up to him now. Jacob turns to turns to face Freddy, only now he looks like Freddy. And he says in a gravelly voice that he, that he doesn't want to play with Alice anymore, that he wants to learn from him now. He's like, hey, leave her alone. <laughs> it's like this weird little voice. And Freddy's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, really? Yeah. Like, you're just going to buy it? So Freddy throws Alice aside and goes over to Jacob. Amanda tells Jacob to unleash the power that Freddy has given him. So he barfs up a column of souls, which flies into Freddy, turning into weird puppets on umbilical cords, who, like, jump out of his back, and we get Muppet heads of Greta, Mark, and Dan, only it's Giant Mouth Greta, Dan is the Iron Man, and Phantom Prowler Mark, which just, it reminded me of the um, Land of Confusion video by Genesis. Oh my Genesis. god, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It had that same look to the puppets. So the the souls are are pulling Freddy toward Amanda. And they they yank him over and she grabs him and he turns into a baby. And then in Freddy's clothes is a normal baby. And Alice picks up that baby and Amanda picks up Freddy baby. And they just kind of turn into light and zip back into their mamas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, what? The power of Christ compelled them. <laughs> they magicked into their mama's bellies. Amanda tries to walk away but looks in pain. Alice goes to follow, but Amanda tells her, stay back, take your baby and leave. She goes back into the tower as Freddy's adult gloved hand rips out of her belly going, no, no. <laughs> and she shuts the door. That door breaks and then another door shuts. And that door breaks and another door shuts. And finally, a big steel door shuts, sealing them away. We cut to a nice sunny day at the park many, many, many months later. It doesn't say how many months. It looks like the next day, but clearly it's been some time. 
and we see Alice, her dad, and Yvonne with the newly born Jacob Daniel having a picnic in the park. We pan out slowly and see the kids in white jumping rope humming the all-too-familiar nursery rhyme. Cue Let's Go by Cool Mo D. Credits the end. Thank God. (laughs) I mean, honestly, final thoughts on this movie. Visually, there's a lot of striking scenes. Mm -hmm. So it is, if you are a fan of effects, if you're a fan of practical effects, there's a lot of good stuff to look at here. Story-wise, it makes no fucking sense. Like, and I complained about the story in the last one. Yeah. The story in this one is way more Well, confusing. that one had a gaping a gaping hole. Yeah, this one surrounds a gaping hole. Yes. <laughs> so, but I again, I do really like the human drama moments. I think the stuff with the friends is really good. The, I love the stuff with Dad. I love the stuff with Dan's parents. Like, all of that human drama, like, is she crazy, I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just, that's a testament to the actors. Kind of Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I never put that two and yeah. together, but yeah, you're right. I, I definitely enjoy that. But again, as much as I'm talking this movie up, it is still one of the weakest entries. Do yourself a favor, watch the first three more. Mm. Um... There's, there's a ton of trivia. I just kind of randomly cherry-picked a few things that I thought were interesting. Uh, but Stephen King and Frank Miller were, were... Were thought about for the part of Freddy? For Alice. Oh. Uh, no, no. They were actually approached to, uh, to write it. So oh. they, they were offered chances to write... Which makes sense, because Frank Miller was actually... Like, that was when he was really crushing it in the comics world, and he was writing scripts. So, like, I mean, because he wrote... A, he did RoboCop 2. Mm-hmm. Um... He was writing a lot of scripts at the time, but, and Stephen King, of course, was around this time. This is when he was trying to do more film work, and we got Maximum Overdrive. Which, come on, that is... Oh, one day that will be on the That show. is something. <laughs> they said the thing! <laughs> it's Maximum Overdrive. Um, but the funny thing about this is, this film was pitched originally for part three. And they were like, no, we don't like this. Like, they, they wanted to have, like basically freddy uh possessing a child of a pregnant woman like you know the like woman's pregnant he possesses the baby and the guy was like and it's funny they talk about this in the documentary where he's like yeah you know so i'm in there in the pitch meeting going just picture the, the hand try to claw its way out of the belly and he goes what i didn't know is there was a pregnant woman in the, <laughs> in the group and it was like so i kind of fucked up um but this is also the final nightmare on elm street to have children actually alive in springwood Yes. Because after this, there's no more. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this uh, I-, I thought was interesting. The poster was made of like Freddy's glove holding the baby carriage and the little crystal ball. Mm-hmm. That was made before they even had a script. So they released info on this. Like they released uh, teaser images in like Fango and stuff like that. And people were like, what the fuck is that? And the people who were making the movie were like, we don't know. <laughs> because there's no script yet. So I thought that was funny. Um, also, the Freddy bike, the license plate can be seen for a few minutes. It says, it says Freddy on it, but it is California plates. So Oh, I didn't e- catch that. Even though every film, like every film has been filmed in California, mm. but it's not supposed to take place in California, even though there's palm trees seen in multiple films. Mm. Um, but yeah, so and it's California plates. So it's like, yeah, you guys fucked up. 
Um, and of course, because I love finding these. Uh, in France, the movie was renamed Freddy Five, The Nightmare Child. And in Germany, it was renamed Nightmare on Elm Street Five, The Trauma. <laughs> Which cracks me up. Yep. The story, it is a trauma. <laughs> um, and Maurice, I thought you would find this interesting, because you had mentioned last episode about 1988 yeah. ha- having... No, that movie said the only time it's ever happened, but it actually happened a year later. It, but it happened in both years. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm and, saying. Yeah. It happened in 88 and 89. Because I, when, I, when I read that, I went, wait a second. So I looked it up to be like, did IMDb fuck up somewhere? No, no. 100%, yeah. We had both 88 and 89, we had a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, a Halloween movie, and a Friday the 13th movie. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. Like that, I, I wish I was old enough to go to the theaters to watch these. Mm-hmm. You know, I did see Nightmare on Elm Street three in the theater with my family, but that's the only one I got to see in the theater. <laughs> uh, well, outside of the remake and Freddy vs. Jason, because I was a, I was the grown up then. But uh, yeah, so like I said, there's tons of trivia if you guys want to check it out on IMDb or just watch the amazing documentary uh, Never Sleep Again. But let's uh, wrap this one up here. So we'll get into our social media here. We're the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. If you're not already following us, check us out there. Uh, we also have a Twitter, which Maurice handles, which is... At Boogeyman's the... Thank you very much, good sir. Uh, we do have a Patreon. Like I said, by the time you read or by the time you hear this, chances are uh, stuff will be changed on there. So if you are interested in Patreon, $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes... Uh, the higher tiers will get you stuff in the mail and, you know, special episodes, stuff like that. We are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts just like this, as well as rad artists and musicians doing rad stuff. Uh, our next movie, for those that want to check it out before we watch it, we are entering the early 2000s horror, and we're going to kick things off with episode 181, The Cell. I'm so so fucking stoked about this movie being on here. I have not watched that movie in probably 20 years. So it's because I saw it when it came out in the theater and then I saw it when I first bought it on DVD when it first came out and I haven't watched it since. So I'm looking forward to it. You want to talk about visually stunning? Of course, I probably haven't seen, I haven't seen it in at least 10 years. It was a lot of CG. I'm curious if it held up. Right. So that's where I was going with that. But like, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio is... Oh, he's, he carried that fucking movie. Yeah. He's so good. Fuck J-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought mean, she was pretty good in it. Yeah, she was. But, but he definitely... No, nah, he was... There, There's some scenes from that movie that really stick with me. But So, yeah, so uh, our, our month of June will be all early 2000s horror, which I'm really looking forward to because I feel like a lot of those movies don't get enough love. The so. early aughts. The early aughts. But do you guys have any final comments before we wrap this up? Nope. Nope? No. No? We're all good? Yeah. All right. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.
It's a boy.